I can't express what it means for me to be standing here today. For the better part of this year, January through March, I just was, was not feeling good. And when I got to Easter, something changed. A pain in my chest moving down my arms. Then I went to go take the stress test and, and of course, find out that I've, I've got a blockage. Come Wednesday, my non-issue turned out to be, I'm pretty sure, my first opportunity to walk up this desk door and, and have God pluck me out of that, save me, rescue me from that moment. Could have, maybe should have, dropped dead right in front of you, right in front. Good morning. Good to see everybody here today in Colonial Heights and uh, good to have all the folks joining us by live stream. I'm especially excited about welcoming live stream for a particular issue. Uh, last week, I got like the best cardiologist in the world. And what's so funny is he was here last week in the third service and I called him an oncologist. Uh, <laughs> To my knowledge, that's not what I need right now. Uh, but, he, but he was here last week. I just thought that was so awesome that, it, that he came to hear me as I was back at church and everything until he called me Friday and told me how I was going to preach from here on out and uh, gave me instruction, you need to sit down, you need to drink water, and, 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 and really I'd like you to only go about 15 minutes. So uh, Mike, about 15 minutes if you'd shut the live stream off and we'll just tell him that's when I finished. And... Uh, but I have more people telling me what to do right now than I have in my whole life. But um, guys, let me tell you a little bit about what happened. There's going to be a little bit of repetition from, from last week, but it, I think it'll fit into the whole context and help you understand the whole a little bit. As you just heard, as uh, January through March, uh, I, I was running like I always do. And the reason I mention running is because outside of running, I had, I had no issue. I didn't feel or experiencing anything else. It was only when I was running. Uh, I know a lot of you think, well, just stop running. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm running probably four days a week, probably 30 minutes uh, or so at a time. And uh, January through March, I didn't enjoy a single run. Not once did I enjoy a run. It just was uh, uncomfortable, uh, just kind of a general feeling of, of, of just not feeling well. Of course, think about January through March in Virginia this past year. I mean, most of the time it was 18 degrees, right? And, and so I'm just dismissing it as, well, it's cold and, and um, I'm getting older. And so I just, I just kind of wrote it off like that. And uh, but I do remember very specifically the week after Easter, uh, I, I, I got up and I was going out and running and uh, it, it stopped being a general discomfort and, and it became a very specific pain and, and it was in my chest and it was doing that thing where it heads down the arm and I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure I know what, what that is. And so I, I called my doctor, Kirby Southall, and, and told him what I was experiencing. And he said, yeah, you, you first of all, stop running. And uh, he said, come, in, come into the office. And so I did that Friday morning, uh, April 17th. Uh, he did a few things, sent me straight to a cardiologist, Dr. Coley. Uh, and, and he ran a few tests and did some things and said, listen, you need to come back to tomorrow. I, I can't do a stress test today but I, I need to do one on you soon. I want to do that tomorrow. And so uh, that, that would be Saturday, April 18th. 
And uh, you'll understand, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my schedule, you'll understand in a moment why I'm telling you this, but uh, Saturday, April 17th, I I woke up, was out the door at 7 a.m. with one of my sons, Randy, who had a track meet, Colin was injured that weekend, and so we drive over to Mechanicsville, Lee Davis High School, Uh, I drop him off at the front, I park the car Sit, sit out there in the car for a while, and I, I, I do this at a lot of track meets. I'm, I'm rehearsing, I'm going over my message for, for Sunday morning, and so I do that, and, and I finish, and about that time, Karen gets there, and uh, we go in together, and, and we watch Randy run, and, and uh, then I leave him there, leave Karen and Randy there, and I come on down to Colonial Heights, come to the church here, rehearse, go over my message some more. Uh, this was following Easter, so I had quite a few phone calls to make. As a matter of fact, I made 45 phone calls. Uh, that's, I wouldn't say that's normal. Don't, don't think I do that every Saturday, but I do make, make a lot of calls on Saturday, and I made 45 that day. By the time I finished that, then I went to, to the stress test. And uh, yes, it obviously immediately determined that I had uh, a blockage. A stress test won't tell you where in the heart it is or, or how bad it is. It, it just says you have a blockage. And so we set it up on Wednesday for that Wednesday to do a heart cath. Um, I leave there. I go back out to Mechanicsville, uh, watch Randy run again. And then we leave and come on home. And uh, I think it's about dinner time. And uh, we eat dinner. I go work on my sermon a little bit more, and that, that's pretty much Saturday. Uh, Sunday was, was really a full day. I, I came in here like no, normal, obviously, uh, did three services, three messages, and uh, then we had a luncheon for some missionaries that were with us that weekend, and then uh, that afternoon there, there was a funeral. I didn't do the funeral, I, I, but I was a part of it, another event. I remember that, that day I left the house at 6.50, and that was about the time I got home. Went from 6.50 a.m. to about 6.50 p.m. Uh, by the time I finished up everything. And uh, I didn't say anything that morning about what was going on with me because for, for the most part, I was just starting to process that. I, I had known for less than 24 hours uh, for a fact that I had a problem, and, and I was minimizing it. I, I, I absolutely was. As a matter of fact, on, on Tuesday, uh, I told the staff, and, and we came in here, and, and they, you know, we're sitting on these pews right here, and I'm sharing with them what is, what's happening, what's going on. And my prayer request was this, that whatever procedure they do in the heart cath, whether it's an angioplasty or a stent, that I'll be back in the pulpit on Sunday. I mean, I actually had almost no prayer request about the procedure. I just, can I be back in the pulpit on Sunday, please, Lord? And, and that's how much I was minimizing and, and trying to deny what was really happening and, and going on. So I was shocked that day because I'm going into that thinking, ah, I might have to stay overnight. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember just, boy, like it was about five seconds ago. Uh, of course, they don't put you to sleep when you do a heart cath, but whatever they gave me was, was good enough for me. I laughed. I, I don't know if they did a heart cath or not, to be honest with you. And, but I remember waking up, and, 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 I, and I remember like this, Dr. Coley, because when I guess he finished what he was doing, he left, and, and the, the, the team finished up with me, and he went out and got Karen, and, and, and she already knew what was going on, because when they walked through the door, I saw Karen's face, and, and instantly my first thought was, I'm getting some bad news here. <laughs> and uh, he, Dr. Coley came up and he said, uh, and I'm still laying there, okay? And uh, he said, you're, you're in a very serious situation. 
Um, he, he said your, your left anterior descending artery uh, is 99% blocked. And, and there's, I actually had two blockages. At the top of it, it was a 99, and then right below it was, was an 80% blockage. And uh, th- this is the artery that they call the widow maker. If, if, a, if a heart attack hits you there, you're instantly dead. There's no help, no recovery for that one. And uh, he said, the surgeon's on the way. He should be here in, in, a, in a couple of minutes. And uh, he'll kind of walk you through wh- what's going to happen next and where you're going from here. And uh, boy, folks, in that moment, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and it, I was scared. I, I was afraid. Um, that's not an emotion I feel a lot. Uh, I think part of it's my personality. I'm just not a very anxious, fearful personality in that sense. And a part of it, I think, has to do with my walk with the Lord. I, I, I feel like I have a pretty strong faith. I have a faith that, hey, today's God's whatever event, whatever news, whatever happens, it's in his hand. And I, for the most part, I, that's really where I leave it. And okay, so what are we taking on today, Lord? But right then at that moment, I, I, I was afraid. I remember Wes and Ronnie, uh, two of our pastors, coming in uh, while I was still laying in there on the table. <laughs> I spent more time looking at people horizontal the last seven weeks than I ever have. But uh, I remember them coming in, and I remember looking at them, and I remember looking at their face thinking, wow, just by looking at them, I could tell I must really look afraid just by looking at the way they're looking at me. And, uh, but what's funny is the rest of Wednesday actually went, went pretty well. I mean, it was kind of a really neat day after that. Obviously, I finally got out of there. I got checked into a, a regular hospital room. And uh, a pastor that I have known since I was 12 years old, uh, a pastor that I worked with for almost 12 years uh, as an associate pastor in South Carolina before I came here to Virginia, uh, he came up to see me from South Carolina, 11 hours round trip to spend 30, 45 minutes with me. And what's even funnier, about five minutes after he walked in, another real good friend of mine, uh, another pastor from South Carolina, came in right behind him and said, y'all ever heard of carpooling? And, uh, but they came in, so I was visiting with them. Uh, about, a, about 12 deacons came up that night, 12 deacons and, and Rhonda Wynn. Uh, Rhonda's my assistant. She came with the deacons, which was good, because truth be known, she's running the church most of the time anyway. But... Uh, Man, we just had a, just an incredible time of, of prayer. My family was all there. And uh, Wednesday afternoon also, my pastor uh, called me. Uh, the, the, my pastor that I grew up under, Ed Young, uh, Dr. Young from Second Baptist Houston. And uh, gosh, this guy, first of all, he called me. It's kind of interesting. He went through the exact same thing I did uh, three times. And I have no interest in being just like my pastor. I want to make that really, really clear. But uh, he called me, and, and uh, he's 79, he'll be 79 this summer, still preaching, still working full-time in one of the largest, most significant churches in the United States. And uh, so we're talking, and, and uh, he, he says, Rini, I got, three, I got three pieces of advice for you. First piece of advice, don't look down. He said, you know, I said, oh, okay, not having a clue what he meant, okay? Uh, He said, you know what, I know you don't get it. He said, but but when you get out of surgery, don't look down. As a matter of fact, don't look down until you get home. And uh, he he just stopped there. I, I, I think I began to understand what he meant later on is what's going on below your neck is very real and it's very bad. Don't add sight to it. And uh, folks, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm old enough that I come out of that old generation. My pastor tells me to do something. I'm, I'm doing it. 
And you know that I had surgery on Thursday. I did not see my chest till Monday afternoon, standing in my, in my house, in the bathroom, looking at the mirror. And when I first saw it, I thought, boy, I'm sure glad I didn't look down. <laughs> and uh, I just seriously didn't look down. Second piece of advice he said is hold on to that heart pillow. And I have to be honest with you, he didn't need to give me that advice. I'd have figured that out quick enough. Um, the third piece of advice he gave me, he said, Randy, find out why God brought you here. You know, folks, isn't that, isn't that something we ought to be praying about all the time? Almost, almost, I mean, I'm almost, what day are you not praying that? You know, whether you're going through a high time, a, a great time of success, a great time of victory, maybe you're going through a low time, a loss, a real failure. God, why'd you bring me here? What, what do I need to know of you, about you? What do I need to know about life? And, 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 and he said, find, find that out. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not here today to give you the big revelation of why this happened. I, I don't know what it is at this point that I, that I have that revelation. I, first of all, I still feel like I'm kind of in the midst of this. And, and, and I'm still praying and, and working through that. So I, I don't know that just yet I've got, here's the big thing God has revealed. Now, I, I do have some interesting memories and, and, and I do have maybe a couple of, of lessons that I would like to share with you today. Obviously, I'm going to share this in the form of coming through a personal journey. But, but I think these things kind of have a, a, a broad application, a, a, a broad understanding. I hope they'll have uh, some meaning for you. Um, gosh, you know, first of all, I didn't realize this till after I wrote my message. I'm kind of talking about some special memories. It's kind of funny. They're all on Wednesday. Because after Wednesday, I wouldn't say that I have a lot of special memories. But, uh, okay, so we're sitting there Wednesday afternoon, me and, and several of our staff at the hospital. And, and again, it dawns on us, you know, I never did actually say anything to the church. You know, no, nobody knows this is, is going on. We, you know, probably now we should maybe let some people know. And, and so we're kind of talking through how we're going to do that and what we're going to do. And so Wednesday evening about dinner time, which of course is about the same time church is starting, we, we start to push out through social media what, what is going on with me. And uh, of course, people are arriving at church on Wednesday evening and they're hearing about it. And, and as that happens, you know, folks are beginning to pray. I know, I know up in Awana, uh, some of the leaders up there and kids all got together and were praying. And I know there was prayer going on all around the, the campus here. And, and as that was happening, I mean, folks, literally as it was starting to happen and people were beginning to pray, and, and I think a lot of you will remember this, uh, this happened. You can barely see it. You see the rainbow over the church? And, and Wes Rose took that picture. He was uh, out, out in the parking lot and, and saw that. And of course, he had knew what was going on inside and snapped this picture and he, and he sent it to me. And I want to tell you something, folks. I took that really personal. Now, I, I, I get weather. I, I understand what causes rainbows. But I'll tell you something. Weather didn't cause that. God put that there just for me. <laughs> you know? And, and when I saw that picture, I just felt like God was saying to me personally and to our church, I know right where you are. I know exactly what is going on. My plans, my purposes, my promises are going to be fulfilled. And I, and, I, and I said, thank you, Lord. That was a, that was a good moment, that Wednesday. Uh, another memory, again, it's kind of centered around another picture. Look at this next picture. Um, that's, uh, 
that's Wednesday night. And uh, matter of fact, I think, it, I think it's time for them to leave. And so we're snapping a picture right before they, they go. And uh, I, I tell you, folks, there's nothing quite like going through something like this, is there? Just to kind of remind you what's really precious, what, what, what's really significant. And as a matter of fact, that night, uh, I took these two pictures with a picture of the church and uh, put that on, on Facebook. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to get my physical heart operated on here. But these three pictures represent what fills my heart and, and, and what my heart is for. But I, I, I just, I love those two, I love those two pictures. Now, after the fact, I also, I look at these two pictures and, and, and I kind of laugh. Uh, I, I see something kind of funny. Look at my face. That is the absolute definitive picture of ignorance is bliss. Because <laughs> I look at that picture now and I think, you fool. You, you have no concept of about what is about to happen tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, but man, what, what, what a reminder. Even if you haven't been negligent. Even if you haven't forgotten. Boy, it's, it's kind of good to see that come together. Now, folks, you know, as I mentioned last week, by the way, don't be worried that I'm standing. I never promised my cardiologist I would sit the entire time. But... Uh, but, uh, you know, I, as I mentioned last week, this, this kind of, for me, was, was my, kind of my first brush with death. And, and, I, and I've really not tried to be overdramatic about that. But, but I want you to understand why I've had that, the kind of the heaviness of that, that feeling and emotion. You know, as I told you, Dr. Coley came in, he says, you've got this 99% blockage. Um, and he explained, now this... This 99% blockage, you didn't have that since January. That You haven't had that since Easter. You can't live any amount of time on that. He said, this just happened. That This happened somewhere within the last few hours to maybe the last few days. And he says, what happens is you've got this, this plaque in your heart. You've got some level of blockage there. But in your case, that plaque ruptured. And, and then it kind of caved in on itself. And then that's when it became a 99% blockage. Uh, and, and I said, well, why would that happen? What, what causes the plaque to rupture? And he said, stress. Now, stress, again, doesn't mean it's something bad has happened to you. I mean, we usually when we hear that word, we think that, you know, you're having a bad moment. You've just had something bad happen to you. But, but it doesn't have to be bad at all. But when, when he said that to me, what I thought of was that weekend prior to Wednesday, that, that weekend where I just took you through uh, my schedule. And of course, at the heart of all that busyness, at the heart of all that kind of high-octane weekend was, was preaching. And, and I knew in that moment, folks, I mean, I know what, what is going on inside me when I'm in the pulpit. And, and I knew physically, mentally, spiritually what is happening there. I knew that's when that plaque ruptured. That's not a statement of fact. That's not what the doctor said, but I believe in all my heart. That's when that happened. And that's why I make the comment, I, I could have, maybe should have dropped dead right in front of this church. You know, since that Wednesday, literally through this past Tuesday when I went to rehab for the first time, uh, Karen and I, either individually or together, have heard a statement made probably 15 times. Now, to understand this statement, let me tell you what we have not heard one time. Not one time since all this happened and started did anybody ever, when I say anybody, I'm talking about health professionals. Not one time did they say, we're surprised you didn't have a heart attack. 
Not one person said, we're surprised you didn't have a heart attack. What we have heard at least 15 times is, we're surprised you're alive. Including right this Tuesday when I went to rehab and they're looking at my, all, all my stuff and, and, and everything that's gone on, my file or case or whatever they call it. And, and I walk in and the lady looks at me and says, wow, you shouldn't be here. And, and yet I am. And yet I am here because, folks, God wants that to be the case. Now, we took care of that last week. Okay, good. All right. But, folks, God waking me up. God determining that I'm to be here today. Folks, that statement's no less true of you than it is of me. It's true of every single one of us. And yes, sometimes going through an event where we feel rescued, where we feel saved, where we didn't die, yeah, that might really give us a really special feeling of a second chance of, boy, God really has us here for a purpose. But folks, I think what the scripture would say to us is, don't look for an event to tell you that. The Word of God has been telling you that all along. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, All your days are ordained by God. Every one of them written in His book. Folks, every one of my days includes the first one and it includes the last one. Do you realize before you ever drew your first breath on this planet, the day that will be your last day was already recorded. And folks, that last day is there for a purpose. God doesn't do anything negligently. He doesn't do anything haphazardly. He doesn't say, gosh, what am I going to do today? Nothing random. Everything God does is good. Everything God does is purposeful. There is a reason. You and I get wrapped up in age. You and I get wrapped up in too soon. That shouldn't have happened. But for God, everything is purposeful and meaningful. Psalm, or James chapter 4, folks, says that, that we're just so valued today that it's a sin to be living out in tomorrow. It's a sin. It's, it's wrong. That doesn't mean it's wrong to plan and prepare. The Bible tells us to plan and prepare. Doesn't mean it's wrong to look forward to something. But, folks, you and I have an incredible propensity to live more of life out in tomorrow than we do right here today. And the Bible says that is a sin because you don't own tomorrow. Do you realize God is not obligated? God has not given a promise to a single person in this room that would suggest that you can expect to wake up tomorrow. Not one of us. Folks, God owns tomorrow. And if he wakes you up, it's because he has a purpose for you. And it should always be our prayer. God, thank you for waking me up. This is your day. May I know you and the purpose you have for me in it. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we've all said that prayer for today. We're, we're all good to go for today. Hey, you know another thing, folks, as you go through a time like this, man, if you're, if you're a believer, if you're, if you're a, a, a reader and a believer in the word of God, man, in times like this, we go to God's word, don't we? We're looking for help. We're looking for a place to anchor. And man, as I walk through this, I certainly had some verses that, that were very special to me, very meaningful for me. One of those verses was 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. It says this, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, look at this, folks, what a promise, will himself restore Hey man, when you're broken, 
That's, that's really a neat promise. When you're falling apart, hey, God is going to restore. God's going to confirm who he is in my life. God's going to confirm his call on my life. God is going to, he's going to strengthen me. Folks, boy, folks, I, I had some moments where I, I, I guess I would say I was as weak as I ever remember being in my life. I, I don't remember what day it was, second day or whatever. They, you know, sooner or later, they want you to get out of bed. You know, and that, that first time I got out of bed out of surgery, they want me to take a lap around the nurse's station. It's probably all of like 30 steps. And, and, and I tell you, I mean, I'm, in, I'm a runner. I, I'll do 30 miles. You know, no sooner than I had gotten just on the other side of the nurse's station, a solid 15 steps away, my legs were on fire. And they're shaking. And I literally, I'm not going to make it back to my room. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get back to my bed. I, I never felt that kind of weakness. But you know what? I had a promise from God. Rainy, I'm going to give you your strength back. I'm going to establish you. Aren't, aren't these awesome promises from God? And, and, and I think, folks, sometimes when we're reading, we run straight away to the promise. We run straight away to what we can hold on to. But I'll tell you what captured me in this, folks, is this first phrase. After you've suffered a little while. You know, as I came out of surgery, I knew I was going to have this new little thing called a zipper. I've had a lot of you have welcomed me to the zipper club. I didn't ask to be in the club. I, who signed me up for that? I never signed up for that. But uh, yeah, I, what I didn't expect is four holes below the zipper. And, and I, the four holes, they're about the size of a penny. And, and in those holes went tubes. And uh, so one day, and the tubes are rather uncomfortable, and, and, and so one day, I don't, maybe the third day, maybe Sunday morning, I think it was, uh, th- this guy comes into my room, he says, man, I got great news for you, we're going to take those tubes out today. And I said, man, that sounds like, that is good news, that sounds good. He says, and I got some bad news for you. I said, what's that? He said, you're going to remember for a long time me taking these tubes out of you. <laughs> he, was really, he was really a cool guy, it was kind of funny. Well, no, it wasn't at that moment. It wasn't actually funny at all. But uh, he was real. I mean, he said, listen, I'm not going to sneak up on you. He said, there's a lot of dressing. There's a lot of tape. I'm going to be working in and Because remember, I'm not looking down. He says, I'm going to be working in and around that area for a couple of minutes. I'll tell you when it's about to happen. And folks, I'd be okay if for the rest of my life, I never had tubes pulled out again. I'm going to tell you. And uh, oh, gosh, stating kind of the obvious, they sawed my chest open. That hurt. Now, not when they did it, but every single day since. It's been seven weeks. It's all my chest open, pulled my rib cage apart. I don't think that was what's actually designed to happen. That hurts. And you know, when you do that, then guess what's going to happen? Hey, you don't sleep. And you got all these medications and the pain. I got one position I can lay in bed straight up. <laughs> You know, and even if you're comfortable, it's only going to last that way for an hour, and I can't turn either direction. And so, you know, you, you, you probably, I probably went for a solid month waking up three to four times a night. And that's not just for a moment. That's getting out of bed, and that's walking around in my house in the dark for 20 or 30 minutes. Folks, for a solid month, I'm walking around my house like this in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know, just doing circles in my house, holding this heart pillow. And, and you can't, you don't go anywhere without it, because Lord help you, if you cough, you're going to crack like a nut. And I'm walking around. And, and you know, me, you, what are we doing at a moment like this? And I'm praying. God, please. 
Please, God, take away the pain. God, please help me sleep. And I'm, and I'm praying like that. And, and, and of course, I've, I've just interacted with this verse in the last little bit of time period. And God brings this verse to me as I'm praying that. And he says, Randy, I am. I'm going to take away your pain. I'm going to strengthen you again. I'm going to restore you. And I'm going to, I'm going to confirm you. But not tonight. And he let me hurt. Might sound a little awkward to some of you to hear me say that. I, I don't want to be confusing in a statement like that. Folks, God has answered a lot of prayers for me during this. He has encouraged. He has helped me to endure. He has brought healing. Folks, I, I don't know that there's been another seven-week stretch of my life where I can say that every single day I saw God's goodness and His faithfulness. And a lot of that came through you. Every single day. But that night, He did in fact let me hurt. Now you know, we can... We can begin a discussion. We could begin a whole, whole sermon series on, on God and evil and God and suffering and why does he allow that and why does that... I mean, if God's in control and if God's loving, then how? Then why? And, and hey, a lot of you have already been there. You've been in the Bible studies. You've been in the sermon. You know there's, hey, there's some very specific places that say exactly why that happens. Sometimes God's disciplining us. We're out of line. And he always calls us back softly and gently. And some of us don't want a soft, gentle call back to in line. So God says, okay, I can do this the hard way. And so sometimes that's why they're suffering. Sometimes, folks, it's because God's building faith. That is the big thing God is doing in your life. He's, he's building faith. Without faith, Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God. And folks, just the reality of it, we don't build faith in the good times. We just don't. The good times don't call for a whole lot of faith. That's what the bad times do. Aren't you glad God doesn't call us to look for bad times? God, would you please bring me a load of bad so I can grow in my faith? Nowhere am I instructed to look for it or pray for it. But folks, that's where faith is built. But you know, one thing, and maybe this is just what God was doing in my life. I think sometimes God allows suffering just to break us of being so in love with this world and with ourselves. Sometimes without suffering, we just don't want God in his heaven very much. I mean, it's a part of our beliefs and we say that we do, but it's not really a part of our great heart's desire. You know, the good news, folks, we can't always figure out which one of these things it might be or what God is doing. But, but we, we can always know this, God's good. Whatever he's doing, whether I get it or not or see it or not, he is good, he is in control, he is working through this, one of these things. <laughs> but at 2 a.m. in the dark... Even if you believe that, it's kind of hard, isn't it? 
And that moment at 2 a.m. in the dark, it's not always for medical reasons, is it? Sometimes it's medical, sometimes it's relational, sometimes it's life, but it's dark. And what God is doing seems so far away and it hurts so much. You know what you can always know? God, thank you for this moment. Because it helps me want heaven and you a little bit more. You know, one last thing. I think maybe one of the most insightful things I I got through this. uh, And I got it through a statement that was made to me a a hundred times. Now, usually when we say a hundred times, that's a metaphor, right? Literally, maybe 200 times I heard this. And it was this statement. Man, Randy, you're the last person I expected this to happen to. I know, right? I heard that so much that around about 80 times, I started wanting to say, I know. I was totally thinking this would be you. (laughs) Just wanted to see what they would do, you know? You get tired of hearing some things. Now, you know, hey, let's think about that for a second. Rainy, you're the last person I expected this to happen to. Now, why, why would we say that? Why would somebody say that? Well, maybe you know me, you know a little bit about me, you look at me. And so it appears, I think the guy eats pretty well and takes care of himself. And I, you know what? I mostly do. That, that's, that is a mostly true thing. Now, I'll be honest with you, during almost this entire time, as much as I've been praying for healing, I've been praying for Bluebell and they get this listeria thing figured out. And get their product back on the shelf, huh? You know, yeah, I eat well, not all the time. I like maybe every night, you know, it's always time for a little ice cream, right? Or, or maybe, again, you know me, you're around me, you know my history, man, you know I run, you know I do these things to take care of myself, to take care of my heart. And, and you know what? That's mostly true. Ah, but, but appearances can be deceiving, Right? But you know what? I can take care of that too. I can take you behind the appearances and and it gets even more confusing. You know, as I'm moving toward Wednesday, obviously we're running a lot of tests, right? They're doing blood work and I'm getting this and I'm getting that. Man, folks, my EKGs were spot on. You know, I'm doing all this blood work. You know, my cholesterol. I mean, if you got a blockage, this is a cholesterol problem, right? My cholesterol was 187. I mean, that's not bad. And 82 of that, 82 points of that 187 is the HDL. That's excellent. Good cholesterol. By the way, you know what good cholesterol does? Keeps your arteries clear. I mean, that's all good. My resting heart rate, 50. My blood pressure, 120 over 80. So see, it's not just appearances. Man, there's a lot of data that says, hey, this is, this is the truth. This is the real thing. I'm the last person this should happen to. There's just one issue we couldn't measure or see. Genetics. My family background. And I'm adopted. And I'm not connected to my family background. I have zero knowledge. Well, I say I have zero. I actually think I have some knowledge now of my family background. See, I couldn't see that. 
And folks, that doesn't make all the good I had done to, to eat right, to exercise, to do. doesn't make all that worthless. But folks, here's a cold hard truth. All that good I did could not undo how I had genetically been wired. Couldn't undo it. And do you realize, folks, that the statement I just made about my physical heart is just as true of my spiritual heart. And it's true of every spiritual heart in this room. You understand that? You know what? In, in, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, you might be a lot like me. Man, I mean, you're, you're trying to do all the right things. You, you know, I mean, I read, I want to know what the good things are. I want to do the right things. I want to make right decisions. Man, I want to be a good person. I, I want to contribute in society. I, I, I do a lot of good. I'm in church this morning, right? And, and not only do I do all this good, but people think it of me. People think I'm a, a good person. People think I do the right things. I'm kind of the rock in my family. I'm, you know what? I'm kind of the pastor. I'm a, I'm a good person. And folks, why that's all might be good? The fact is, you've been genetically wired in a certain way. And what will result is people just like I just described will fill not hospitals, they'll fill hell. And they'll say to one another, man, you're the last person I expected to be here. But we shouldn't be shocked. And we shouldn't be surprised. I at least can say I didn't know my family background, but folks, spiritually, we do know. Because God's word has told us. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. Who's that one man? Adam. Our father. Where we get our genetic code from. And death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. By one man's disobedience, this gene of sin, this gene of rebellion against God and rejection against God began to flow into every single one of us. Look at what Jeremiah 17 says. It talks about your heart, folks. Not, not just general mankind's heart. Not some bad person out there's heart. Your heart. Jeremiah 17 is talking about your heart. Your condition is deceitful above all things. There is nothing more deceitful to you in this universe than your own heart. And it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Folks, do you realize you've got a heart disease? Every one of you. You don't need to go to a heart cath to find that out. This report right here tells you you've got a heart disease. And your heart is sick. And particularly in the way it deceives you is it tells you that you're okay. Man, you're really a pretty good person. You do a lot of right things. Man, there's a lot worse people out there than you. There's a lot of people that are, that, are, that are making things worse in the world than you. People look up to you. People think you're good. Man, you don't need any help. You don't, you don't need a fix. You see, our heart will tell us that. Our, our, our heart will deceive us. But folks, every one of us has a heart disease and you will die. 
Maybe at 19, maybe at 49, maybe at 89. We tend to get all caught up in the age and how early or old it is, don't we? I think this very second you step into eternity, how old you were becomes utterly irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant. And that disease will bring you before the living God a rebeller and a rejecter. And your disease will lead you to condemnation. But, but, but folks, there's good news. There's good news. There's a medicine. There's a surgery. There is a good physician. You know, I, I quoted part of that passage in Romans 5. Let me, let, let's look at the whole thing real quickly here. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness. Okay, the one act of trespass was Adam. The one act of righteousness is Jesus Christ on the cross for you and for me. It leads to justification. It cleans my heart. It makes my heart right before God and gives me life. For as by the one man's disobedience, Adam... The many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, Jesus on the cross, the many were made righteous. And we can go before God with right standing. Condemnation and death, not our future, but life. Life being our future. Folks, what are you counting on today for salvation? What are you depending upon to take care of the disease that is in you? Seven weeks ago, this past Thursday, I laid on a table and I'm telling you, I was counting on Dr. Bundy. I was counting on his education, his experience. I was counting that all that education and experience was going to work at this moment right here. I was counting on that team around him. I was counting on the whole Chippenham Hospital and everything they had to offer. I was counting on them to rescue me from coronary artery disease. See, you're counting on something to rescue you from your disease. What is it? Folks, what if I would have told Dr. Coley as I'm laying there on the table and he's reading this heart cath report, what if I'd have told him, you know what, I don't want surgery. I'm I'm not even sure I buy what you're saying. You know, I'm 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 healthy. I I run, I eat right. And, And by the way, everybody I know thinks I'm healthy. Everybody I know thinks that this would never happen to me. By the way, I didn't see your blockage. I didn't see it. I don't know that there's any blockage between me and God. I don't know that there's any rebellion between me. You know, I'm not going to have surgery. What would you say of me? I'd tell you what you say. At least this is what I'd say. Man, you're an idiot. Folks, you have a spiritual heart disease. You will die from it. You will be condemned because of it. And if you get up and walk out of here telling yourself... I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I mean, I do, I do good things. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Sure, I'm not perfect, but I, I do good. People think I'm good. You're an idiot. I say that in all love. You're an idiot. What are you counting on for your salvation? What is going to rescue you from the medical report that says you have a disease? Folks, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to give you an opportunity right now to cling to the one thing, the one person that brings salvation. 
Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says we have been given no other name, no other opportunity, no other medicine, no other surgery. There's no other thing by which we can be saved from this other than the name that has been given to us. And the scripture says that name is Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're not confident that the great physician is your physician... If you're not confident that he's worked his surgery, that he's worked his healing into your life, would you let today be that day? I'm going to have pastors come forward now and they're going to begin to make their way down here and and get set up here. And and in a moment, I'm going to pray. And when I'm done praying, I want you to get up and come forward to one of these pastors. You say, why do I have to get up? Why, Why do I have to move? You know, folks, I, I mentioned last week, I don't think I said it today, but... I mentioned last week that January through March, even well into April, I never told Karen what was going on with me. As a matter of fact, I didn't tell Karen until the night before I was going to the doctor. I wouldn't say I was in touch with it then, but I know now. You know why I didn't tell my wife? Because if I say it out loud, it's real. See, if I don't tell her, then I don't have a problem. If I don't tell her, then she doesn't make me go to the doctor. And hey, by the way, if you never go to the doctor, you have no problem, right? Folks, do you realize if I would have never told my wife something's wrong? If I had never told Kirby Southall something's wrong, do you realize I'd be dead today? It's a step of faith. It's physically moving and acknowledging I'm not okay. And I need the good physician. If you're here today and you know that hasn't happened in your life, you're not confident that it's happened in your life, let today be the day that it happens. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I come before you right now. Lord, all across this room, there's many of us who, who we've done this. We have come to the good physician. We have found the healing of forgiveness, the healing of restoration. We've, our heart has been clean and it's been made right with you. We're so grateful for that. God, I pray that in this moment, as we think about how significant that is, Lord, I pray that in this moment, we're thinking about how we live in light of our salvation. I pray that we're thinking about whether we're sharing that salvation. What a tremendous news it is to be saved. Lord, I also know that all across this room, not not one or two, Lord, there's more than that. Across this room are people who have not come to you. Lord, some of them may be in a church, maybe in this church for the very first time in their lives. Others may be people who've been members of a church or this church for decades. Lord, if there's somebody in here who right now needs to find your healing power, needs to have your work done in their lives, would you tell them? Tell them who they are. Give them the faith and the courage to stand up and come to the physician. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.